Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to a day of prayer. Let's pray. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you for today, God. We ask that you just continue to guide us throughout our day, and we welcome the Holy Spirit in our Bible study and throughout our day, God, and ask that you just continue to guide us and you show us your way and you walk with us throughout our day, God. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 All right, so we are in First Samuel chapter 24. Who would like to begin? All right, so we're just going to go through the whole thing. We'll split it up, all right? Um, you two are going to read, all right? Yes. Okay. So we'll do that, and then we'll discuss it. All right? All right. I'll start. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines, so that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the go of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the rest recess. the recess of the cave. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also rose afterwards, went out the cave, and called to Saul, saying, My Lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks you harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For in, that, for in that I cut off the corner of your rope and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. But my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let the Lord be judge, and judge between you and me, and see and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with, well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. 
For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore swear to me now by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. So David swore to Saul, and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Yes, Layla. I have a question. Why did David say that his heart? Why did it say that David's heart was troubled after he cut a corner of Saul's robe off? Conviction. It didn't sit well with him. Exactly. So, you, are you asking really what's wrong with him cutting off the corner of his robe? No. Okay. Well, there was even. Oh, you got. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so basically it didn't sit well with him that he went toward his, his Lord, you know, his, the King who was to be honored and respected with a knife or whatever he used to cut his robe off. And then he took a piece of his garment. Um, even still Saul was the King and to be honored and respected. And David understood that. That's why he kept calling him the Lord's anointed, the Lord's anointed to do what? be king over Israel. So um, he, David determined in his heart to absolutely respect Saul. You can see that in the way that he responds to him, how he speaks with him, okay. and how he treats him. Um, and at the same time, you know, he is a man of war. Like, when your enemy comes, what do you do? You defeat them, right? But then at this moment, he had to separate himself and look at the spiritual side of it and not just the natural side of it. This is not, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about not knowing people after the flesh anymore, but knowing them after the spirit. God still anointed this man to be king and it was for God to remove him. God put him there and it was for God to remove him, not David, to take it upon himself to do so. And um, I believe he just wanted to thoroughly respect Saul. So maybe there was another way he could have mentioned or made the demonstration of how close Saul was to dying if that was David's purpose towards him. But so he just was bothered by the fact that he touched him in that way. Yes, there's that. And there's also the, he just wanted to revere the Lord. Mm -hmm. So it's obedience to what the Lord said in this as well. Yes, he respected Saul, his place, mm -hmm. his position, all those things. It was mostly out of reverence to the Lord who, mm -hmm. who put Absolutely. him there. Who put him in that place, at Saul in that place as king, for however long that was going to be. Another question, honey? No. What about Anybody you guys? Else? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I kind of found interesting that even though Saul went home, it, it said Saul and Pope, but David and his men went up to his stronghold. I found interesting that David didn't go. Well, it's, well, I, it's okay. Well, Saul said that I was more righteous than him, so I think it's okay to go back to his 
saw we saw lived or where you supposed to live, but except that he um, I'm not sure if the Lord told him this, but he was listening to the Lord. So are you are you asking why didn't he just go back home and like not pretend like everything was okay, but kind of go back to his life like he had it before? Is that what you want to know? Or you thought it was interesting that he didn't just go back to his life like it was before and go home with Saul because they seemed like they made up? Yes. It is interesting. Well, there's, there's a few things there. What home did David have to go back to? He had moved his parents into Moab, right? Yes. They were stuck tucked safely there. Right, with protection from the king of Moab, if you will, right? Yes. Um, safe is a relative term, obviously. But um, they weren't at the, ho- at the house that he grew up in or any of that. They, were, they had to vacate because David's life was in danger. And you know, with David's life being in danger, his family and everybody he knew's life was in danger. Mm-hmm. So what was there to go back to? He had to continue to move forward in the Lord. But then there's also... Let's look at the relationship up to this point. There's been, what, approximately 21 times that Saul has tried to kill David in some way. So, yeah, he made up today. In the moment, everything's great, grand, and groovy, and peaceful, and everyone's getting along. What happens tomorrow? What's it like later tonight? Right? What's it like next week, next month? There's been zero consistency in Saul's Actions, behaviors, anything towards anyone, but especially David. Mm-hmm. So even in the natural, why would David, that's not very uh, very wise. David is also a tactician. And that's stated plainly about David later on. All right? Um, so he, he, being a man of war, he was very, uh, say, adept in tactics, very knowledgeable in tactics what to do when to do it why it need to be carried out in a certain way or manner and more so he he asked the lord what to do there's That's that when he as got well. his wisdom always you see he that throughout his whole life uh, in scripture here he always inquired of the lord mm-hmm. what's the plan what should i do mm-hmm. how should i go about it so yeah there's that other aspect again natural of we can be friends but because of certain things, we, we kind of have to be friends from afar for a little bit, right? Trust, all those things have to be, uh, they, they develop over time. Mm-hmm. It takes an instant to decimate that trust. But it takes time to build or rebuild. Mm. Repair and restore trust that may have once been there. And so you see David operating in forgiveness right so he forgives him and this is something we should all know many people go i can't i can forgive but i won't forget and they or they feel like if you forgive someone that means that you have to roll out the red carpet again forgiveness is in your heart right it's how you you release someone from the debt that they owe you you release them in your mind you turn them over to the love of god and you forget about the situation but it doesn't mean you become now foolish god is not a foolish god he does not want us to be unwise he told us he doesn't want us to be ignorant of satan's devices 
So that means if someone is operating in a way that yields themselves to the enemy, right, to try to cause you harm, God is okay with you exercising wisdom and how you deal with them. He's not saying forgive and then go be foolish and keep, keep engaging the person in the same way and allow them to come in and hurt you and cause harm to you again. That's not what he's saying. He's saying forgive them, let them go, release them from the debt that you perceive that they owe you because God released you from your debt that you owe him right through salvation and the blood of Jesus Christ. So let them go and keep your heart clean towards God so that God can continue to bless you because God said, if you don't forgive, neither will I forgive you. He said that multiple times throughout the gospel. So that's an important factor and forgive and use wisdom. It's not, David wasn't saying, well, Saul, um, I forgive you and I'm going to go home with you because like your dad just pointed out, wisdom says, well, I know where Saul is. He's struggling and he may turn around and have the spear in his hand again because that's where he is. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally, that, that's where Saul is. He didn't neglect that fact, but he didn't punish Saul. He didn't say that Saul owed him. He treated him with love, right, and forgiveness and allowed him to go free. You see that exact element. He allowed him to go free. And honoring God, we must honor his law. And his law and his rule is that we forgive. And it doesn't matter what, what the crime has been because Jesus forgave us all. Right? He didn't go, well, sorry, I, I can only forgive up to this level. If you do sins that are on this list, you know what I mean? except for the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, he forgives us all things. And most people don't commit the sin of blasphemy because they don't even know what it is. And they don't have the accountability to do so. So that's not even something that we worry about. But God is a good God. So he has, we are to forgive all, just like he forgave all. Right? Yes. Okay. And then use wisdom and act accordingly in the situation, according to what the Holy Spirit tells you. What else? Yeah, anyone have anything else? They wanna share or any question or? Um, I find it kind of interesting when he said, when Saul is asking that David does not wipe out his name, that he will leave descendants. I already find it interesting that well, that was Saul's request. I don't think he knew that Jonathan, it was already promised to him. All right. uh, well, that's true. Why do you think that is? Why do you think he asked for that? Why do you think that Saul didn't know that Jonathan had already asked that almost identical thing? How was Saul and Jonathan, his own son's relationship? Not very good. Not at all. He didn't trust them, and he openly expressed that to others to within the kingdom. Exactly. And was going to even eliminate his own son. So how can you discuss deeper things? But also, had the Lord revealed to Jonathan that... Uh, you should tell Saul? No. Nope. He didn't. But the Lord had already revealed to Jonathan who was going to be king. Mm -hmm. So he knew. But also, 
in that, why also would he tell Saul? He's trying to hunt David down. The person that the Lord has already revealed to Jonathan who's going to be king. He's already being hunted. Hunted down. Or that's the attempt. And the goal is to eliminate him. So are you going to add fuel to the fire? Someone already has an issue with someone and you're going to make, try to make things worse by revealing this is actually what's going to happen? No. Right, that's not very wise either. And given the instability with Saul on every level, spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, whatever, right? Yes. Um, it's not really beneficial even for Jonathan since he's already attempted to kill his own son, right? Mm -hmm. that, that wouldn't be wise. So, But either way, how can he discuss those things? Who knows if they were even really speaking at this point. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes. Okay. Well, let's look at... Uh, so I have a question or something I want to point out. What did you guys get out of verse 4? Like the first four? Yes. Like the top half? Top no. Half? Oh, I mean, verse four. Can I answer? No. <laughs> Absolutely, honey. You can answer. Uh, okay. I thought I, maybe that their David's men had known, like, you could see that spiritually, if you will, they're like, okay, you... Saul has been in David's presence multiple times and David could have killed him, but now here he is, he's sleeping, and you're, I don't know how big this cave was, X amount of feet from him, and I think they may have, may have known the Lord has given him into your hand, do what seems good to you, or, and they could have just been, that's what they thought, what they think, like how I do with them sometimes. I perceive it a certain way and say, the Lord has done this thing, or that's just what I thought it would be. Not, it's not always how it goes. Sometimes it's right, but most of the time it's wrong because I'm just doing my own thing. But. Okay. Anyone else? To be honest, not that what Lil said was wrong, but I don't think they were listening to the Lord because right here you see that's obviously the Lord doesn't tell you to murder somebody like that. The Lord says, give mercy and grace. So you could see that it was clearly the devil trying to use David's servants to make him sin. Okay. And it says, do what seems right to you, not what the Lord said. He started saying, well, the Lord said this to you, but he didn't finish with the Lord said this. Or even the Lord made provisions. At the end part of the sentence, early statement, the Lord wasn't mentioned. It was do what seems right to you. And then when he cut off the, it said his heart, he had conviction, let's just say it like that. So if he had conviction about just cutting off the end of the rope, that says a lot about killing him wouldn't have been the right thing. You see that with Samuel, do what seems good to you. When he told Saul to go on his way, the Lord be with you and do what seems good to you. But it was as the Lord 
led, not exactly in this manner, like killing somebody. I don't like murderers. I don't know anybody who does. But, you know, they just want to do their own thing. And maybe it's because they dislike Saul themselves. Because I'm sure they, they were tired to... of living in the cave and all, like, put an end to it. Get it over with so we can come out of here and everything will be all right. However, yep. Yeah. Oh, no, no, go ahead. She had a mission you were on. Um, I did. So there's that. And yes, you do bring up a, a good point that it was also said earlier. Do what seems good to you. Now, in anything, our pattern example is Jesus. We didn't do what was good to him. He didn't. As the Father commanded. Right uh, only the say what the Lord says to say. Only do what the Lord says to mm -hmm. do. Um, so yes, in this, there's always going to be things that attempt to influence, influence us mm -hmm. or get our attention or get us to pursue a particular course of action. Right? Yes. So if you search this out, you'll find that actually pieces various scriptures together later on, right? Um, however, back to the influencing part, we have to be grounded in truth and in the Lord. The Lord is truth, right? We must be grounded in him and, and able to hear his voice in all things, right? Yes. David, especially at this point in his life, is, seeks, is seeking the Lord with his entire heart. All right? He wants to be blameless, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, before his Heavenly Father. All right? Yes. And because of that, the reverence that he gives the Lord. How does he treat Saul? How does he treat him? What's verse uh, 11? No, wait. Yes, verse 11. How does it begin? Yes. Moreover, my, my father, see, mm -hmm. he treats him, he respects him as, yes, he respects him because he's, his father doesn't look at what he's doing. Not look at, he doesn't mm -hmm. regard what Saul was doing right then and go, well, since you're trying to kill me, you're not my father. Mm-hmm. There's still honor and respect, yeah? Yes. Now you can go all the way back to Exodus for this um, verses 12 through 15, right? So David was also one of keeping the laws and I don't... I'll say it in this way. The law that's really given is is what? There's two. Two, are the, two laws are the greatest, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. On the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, body, soul, strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself, right? Yes. But in Exodus 21, verses 12 through 15, there is this, right? It says, this is concerning violence. It says, he who strikes a man so that he dies will surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, 
You shall take him from my altar that he may die. And verse 15 says, And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. So, David, because of the relationship he had with the Lord, and even, even here, right, with the influence from people that are with him, that are going through the hardship with him, he could have listened to them. However, he chose to trust the Lord over everything around him. They were screaming and trying to point out, hey, look, the Lord delivered him, right? Every justification of why in this, in this aspect, killing Saul was the right thing to do, right, from a human or natural perspective. But what else did Exodus say? Don't kill, don't strike your father or mother. No, if he didn't lie in wait and God delivered him into his hand, then I, as in the Lord, will appoint for you a place where he may flee. A city of refuge. That would have made him a runner for his whole life. His whole life. And that would have trapped him in that city because as soon as they came out of the city of refuge, they're fair game. But if they were able to escape and make it to the city, they were safe. They weren't allowed. The Avengers, like the family members or whomever who wanted to take vengeance on them, weren't allowed to go into the city of refuge to get the people. But if they came out ever, they were fair game. So... David doing that would have would changed the course the of his, his life. So he, like all of us, had to just be entirely dependent and trust, because of faith, trust in the Lord. That's, that's a really good... Um, but also, again, how did he treat him as a father? When he technically was his father-in-law. Still. Was, exactly. David was still married. His biological father was Jesse. Mm -hmm. However, Saul was a father-in-law, and he showed him the honor and respect that was due him mm -hmm. in that position, as well as as a king mm -hmm. that the Lord had anointed to be king and established in that place. Um, so it's interesting. We, we talk to you guys often about God said... We, first of all, we love the written word of God. We absolutely respect it. And it's something God has provided for us. Uh -huh. And we, we love the opportunity to fellowship with other believers. However, what happens when you can't get there? The Lord said that he wants his word, his law, written on the tablet of our heart. Right? Yes. And Jesus, when he comes and he describes to us what the Holy Spirit will do, what his role is in our life, he said he'll bring to our remembrance all the things that the Lord said to us. So, yes, he uses the written word, but what if you can't read your Bible for a time? Do you cease to be a believer? No. What if you can't go to church? What if there's no church to go to? Are you no longer in fellowship with the Most High God? No. So, or... Or other Christians, other believers? No. So David seemed like he was one, one among the whole group that wanted to do what the Lord said, wanted to hear it, like consciously knowing it, longing and thirsting after it. How could David be on the run for as long as he could? As, as far as we know, he hadn't been back to a temple or whatnot since... For almost eight years, I believe. Ahimelech's 
Ahimelech was, or his dad was murdered on his account. Mm -hmm. Because every time someone helped him or somebody helped them in that, especially in those kind of positions, they were harmed. And it only took him one instance to go, oh, I'll stay away from there. How could he walk with God? And even to remembering and recounting the laws such as this. And he may not have thought about them specifically, just loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself fulfills the law, right? Uh, we, we learned that from Jesus. He, he said, this is it. These are the greatest commandments. And, and it fulfills the law to simplify it instead of remembering itemized right. details. But you see David operating in that. How could that be? He hadn't been to church. He, he didn't have a Bible as what we have. There's, I don't, they weren't even allowed to write scrolls like that to put in your pocket and carry it around. They, they had a very specific way that they carried it. Absolutely. Why am I telling you this? Because you need to take the opportunity when the time is afforded to you, put the word of God in your heart, meditate on it, love his word. David loved God and he loved his law is what he called it. But he meant his word, his he word. meant the ways of God. God, what do you say? How do you want it to be carried out? Mm -hmm. And David asked the Lord, if you find, examine me, if you find anything that's not like you in me, let's take care of it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but he wanted God to correct his heart. He wanted God to expound on God's word on the inside of David. David wanted God to do that for him so that way he could walk in it. He could understand God and know who he is and carry it out. So that was second nature. That's also because of how he fashioned his life. He fashioned it in such a way where everything he did, the Lord was with him and guiding him, and he could see and hear from the Lord, getting his guidance and direction from him through the leading of his Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. which we have available to all of us, yeah. anyone that wants it. Absolutely. Simple as a request. And believe that God answers and he heard you and you have the petition that you requested. I do have one one thing that I wanted to point out about um, verse 4 that, okay. that I saw. This section reminded me of when Jesus was tempted by Satan. Mm -hmm. The first temptation when he, after Jesus had fasted for 40 days and was afterwards hungry and you know, the Holy Spirit had led him out into the wilderness to be yep. tempted by the enemy, right? Yes. What was the first temptation? Turn these rocks to bread. Okay. Provide for yourself. What was the next one? Um, was it throw yourself off this pinnacle? Mm -hmm. What were the words, though? If you are the Son of God. If you be the Son of God. Throw yourself Prove it. Basically, yep. Yes. Throw yourself off and the angels will bear you up. Uh-huh. So manipulating the scriptures, manipulating God's word to try to bring about this God who was man at the time, right? God in, in flesh and bone and blood body, man. Get God to Jesus to throw himself down to prove that you're the son of God. And then twist the scriptures to try to make it sound like it's legit. Mm -hmm. Kind of see that here. You're going to be king. Go ahead and help yourself. 
right? Yes. yes. Prove it or provide for yourself. And here, we'll twist it. We'll throw the Lord's name in there. There you just go. To make it valid. It makes it legit now, right? <laughs> right. I said the Lord. And you're like, uh. So I bring that up, and I want you to also think about Job. You remember Job, the beginning? Yes. yes. Where the enemy wanted to sift him and to, oh, he's serving you for no reason, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But what was God doing? The enemy is who and what he is. He's always looking for someone to steal from, to kill, or to destroy. Right. Or to he, accuse the brethren or he, any of the above. He, he does not cease to accuse them day and night. He is the accuser of the brethren. Exactly. Um, he's, he's doing what he does. But what was God doing for Job? He was, for him. He was qualifying him for the blessing. God wanted to bless Job with double. But mm. we have to pass the test. Absolutely. Did we see Jesus? Yes. He had to pass the test. He had to pass the tests that were provided to him. Adam had a test to pass. Adam did not pass the test. Jesus did pass the test. And David passed the test right here. Because if David had to put his hand to Saul, then David's life would have been shortened then the enemy would have had permission, had a, an opportunity, right, in opening a gateway to come into David's life now and cause him to be killed prematurely. But God wanted to bless David. But we, as believers, have to qualify. We have to be proven faithful. And that's what I mean by qualify. You have to be in Christ, of course, but you also have to be proven faithful with what's been given to you, right? The, the, the parable of the talents. They had to be proven faithful with what their master gave them. The ones that took it and did what was right with it and, and gained more because that was the dynamic that we were, they were talking about, get more with your talents. More was given to them. But the one that did not, who did evil with his talent, who buried it in the ground, right? Yes. Had it taken from him and... Given to the one who had most. Absolutely. So, and proven prosperous in it. And not just being financially prosperous, but prove that they were going to do good. And it was their heart. Exactly. Your actions are the evidence of what's in your heart. Right? For the most part, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It means you do what, what you've been meditating on. Um, so David here passed the test beautifully. Amen. So when you... When you fall into situations, right, think it not strange that there are various trials for believers. Yes. Listen to God. Don't get into woe is me. Don't be tempted to redeem yourself or um, avenge yourself or any of those things to try to carry it out and bring it to pass. Do what God asks you to do. And let him establish you in his time. Let him bring it to pass. Absolutely. That's exactly what David's getting at when he says in verse 12. Oh, actually, he says, I've not sinned against you in verse 11, right? I've not done any of these things. I've not been acted evil or wickedly towards you. Mm -hmm. Right? This is how I am. This is how I act. But he doesn't mm -hmm. look for the, I'll say, recognition or acknowledgement from Saul. He says something. He makes a statement that he says constantly. The Lord judge between you and I. Mm -hmm. yes. 
In other words, he's going to establish. He's going to look at this. The Lord knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Because you can say whatever. But what are the actions saying? And the Lord knows. Mm-hmm. He knows what's truly behind the words that we speak. Mm-hmm. Right? And then he also says, Yep, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and, and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. All his, everything, faith, trust, hope, everything was dependent on the Lord, mm-hmm. not on the relationship with Saul, who was king. It was entirely dependent on the Lord to set up, to establish, to tear down or remove obstacles or whatever it was. It was entire trust and dependency upon the Lord. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, again, example and pattern for us to follow. Absolutely. Yes. Something we need to apply to our lives. Is it mm-hmm. matters. It's important. If we're seeking human, um, I'll say confirmation, Hey, you may get it, you may not. It's fleeting. Someone may say something, but is it? Is it actual? As in, is it true? Because whatever the Lord says is true. Mm-hmm. There's no hidden uh, Agendas. agenda behind it. There's no ulterior motive. Whatever the Lord says is true. So... Yes, while David was stating, hey, this is how I am, this is whatever, uh, and by whatever I mean, all these things prove that, right? It, that's part of the thing with the robe. I, it was proof. I could have gotten you. Mm-hmm. But that's not my heart. As That's not who I am. And he's letting the Lord judge. Mm-hmm. The Lord knows the thoughts and intentions of the heart mm-hmm. for everyone. So he's letting the Lord be the Lord and judge and appoint and establish who the Lord will establish mm-hmm. in the Lord's perfect will, plan, timing, and covenant. Mm-hmm. I have a, something I want you guys to think about and take with you um, as we bring this to a close today. How do you know when there's a situation where someone's going, this is what the Lord says, God gave you this opportunity, and it's a situation that you have to make a choice in. How do you know? How did David know what to do, what not to do, what was right and what was wrong in this situation? Because it seemed like what, oh, God delivered him into your hand. He put him in the same cave with you, right? And how do you know how to decide and how can you navigate a situation where there's temptation to do something right or know which way to go look at verse five now it happened afterward that david's heart troubled him because he had cut saul's robe and he said to his men the lord forbid that i should do this thing to my master the lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him seeing he is the anointed of the lord how did he know He did not have peace about it. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Let it be an umpire for us in some translations. 
let it help you make decisions. He did. He thought he was thinking on it, right? He went to do something, and it was like, oh, he had that little feeling from the Holy Spirit, this isn't right. That is what God gives us, is the peace of God, right? So that helped him. That was enough for him to go, oh, I'm not going to override God's peace. I don't have peace about that. So even when the enemy sets traps for us, God has always provided a way of escape, and he governs and guides us by his Holy Spirit. So don't override peace as you're making decisions, as you're thinking on and contemplating which way should I go. It looks like this. It seems like this, that, or the other. Check with the peace of God on the inside of you. Amen. You don't see that he had a specific word from the Lord. A, a prophet didn't show up and say, thus saith the Lord all of a sudden. He had the peace of God that he allowed to be his umpire. To say, yep, that's a good move, or nope, no, it's not. Okay? And he did not override that peace. He followed it. And that helped him now, once he'd made the decision to follow that peace, now he could get the rest of the information. Ah, God anointed you. Now I see clearly. I'm not going to put my hand on you. Okay? Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Don't forget that. I'll close on prayer, honey. Sure. Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity to come before you and to spend time in your word and, and minister to each other as a family, Lord God. And we thank you. Also for the listeners and the hearers of your word, God, we thank you for your people all over this world, God. We just ask you to be with them, intercede on their behalf, Lord God. Keep them safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. Guide them and help them to make decisions and to act just like you, Jesus. We love you, we bless you, and we honor your name, and we give you all the glory and the praise, Lord. You are a most high God, and there is nothing too hard for you. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. Amen. Amen. A wonderful day. We love God you. bless you. God Bye. bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.